Hello, and welcome back to the Keeping It Together podcast. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Alyssa, and welcome to episode 52. This is a super exciting episode. This episode marks one official year of the Keeping It Together podcast. I can't believe we made it, man. I cannot believe a whole what year. What is happening? It's not our actual anniversary date, but the anniversary episode. Yeah. This is absolutely we incredible. A couple. <laughs> we had a couple weeks there. They were a little rough. Life happens, you know. Uh, before we get into it, we want to bring and introduce you guys to some very, very special people. Um, today, we have two incredible guests with us who have this phenomenal blog called The Summer of Sexiness and here to talk about their lives, their story. We have Jeannie and Victor. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. We're Thank delighted you. to be here. I'm so excited you guys came on the show. This is going to be a really cool, thought-provoking conversation um, and we're really excited to have you guys on the show. Thank you. Um, so something we've been doing in the last couple episodes and what we're doing for a segment and why we wanted to bring you on, um, a whole thing we're talking about right now is self-care, love, relationships, mental health, and talking about it in really different areas that we have not explored yet. Um, and for our listeners at home who don't know you guys yet, um, we'll, and we'll make sure to link their blog uh, in this week's bio, you guys are have just celebrated your one year of a polyamorous marriage. Yes. Congratulations. Po- thank you. Our poly anniversary. Oh, <laughs> poly like anniversary. That. That's great. Poly So um, we'll jump right into it. Um, let's kind of introduce, introduce you guys first. Um, tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, how you guys met, and, and what kind of brought you to one year of your poly anniversary. Sure. Um, so, uh, we, so we know each other since high school. We didn't date in high school, so we've known each other for a very long time. Wow. wow. And we've been married for 22 years and counting. Mm-hmm. Uh, about five or so years ago, I brought up the concept of an open marriage. Um, mm-hmm. I was meeting people in the community that I was very active in that were in various uh, polyamorous relationships or open marriages, and it was really intriguing to me. So I brought it to Victor to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he like looked at me a little crazy the first time, but at the same time, like we found like every time we would talk about it, we didn't talk about it all the time, but like we'd mm-hmm. talk about it maybe a few times a year, that it was really pulling us closer together and building our intimacy and allowing us to really explore our sex life um, in ways that we hadn't been doing before. And mm-hmm. so it was really a conversation that happened over four years before anything actually happened. That's awesome. That's so awesome that it's really kind of brought you you guys together that way. I've heard that from so many different people. I have a couple friends in the community as well um, who are also in polyamorous marriages, and it's such a different concept to me. Um, one, just because I'm, I'm personally not familiar with the space, but it's something that I want to understand and see how it affects relationships uh, and love and especially the intimacy aspect to it. And, and one of the reasons we started the blog is because what we were hearing from people in the community after we joined the community, if you will, is that it was fairly unique for someone like us, for a couple like us that are that were married for so long and monogamous and mm-hmm. straight to then basically change that entire dynamic mm-hmm. um, at this point. And the fact that we were doing it in such a healthy way that people were recognizing and commenting on, we wanted to share that. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. Are there specific things that you guys adhere to, like kind of here's are the ground rules and we will always adhere to these and, and never stray from them? Pretty much. I mean, you know, I think, you know, at one point when we first started going into this, we were like, oh, let's draw up a contract. And, and, and I, I had met people who had a contract with their partner. And for some people that can work, I think it's sometimes hard to like, ex- you know, really anticipate every possibility, mm-hmm. um, particularly if you're not new to it right um i think you know at this point there i think it's like somewhere like about seven to ten like rules that we've kind of you know so, you know and they're self you know not surprising you know obviously safe sex of course you know that's that's kind of a given saying, it has nothing to do with being you know polyamorous but no you that's know, just like you're monogamous given. for 22 years you don't have to worry about condoms when you're not and, of yeah. course yeah um you know and just you know, certain ground rules that we wanted to keep certain spaces in our home sacred. So, for example, um, you know, if I bring home a date, I'm going to be in the guest room. I'm not going to be in our bedroom. Wait, I just read that one on the blog. It was such a cool concept. I loved it. And and I love that you wanted to join in on it, too. I thought that was so powerful 
Uh, and I, I, it was interesting. Um, I'd love to talk about that. Sure. What that kind of was like, like the very first, was that the first time you brought um, someone back home that? So it wasn't the first time that I um, brought someone home. Um, that was uh, a first date with that person, but okay. we both had met him at an event, so mm -hmm. he wasn't a stranger. So he was familiar. Yeah. Um, and we hadn't talked about it, but yeah, you know, it comes home from raves really late and <laughs> I was just you know with this person on the date and we were enjoying ourselves and there was a knock at the door and we welcomed him in and so 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 yeah. if I may so I was I was out at House of Yes <laughs> and I was having a pretty hot night at yeah. House of Yes so I was as one I would was, I was energized yes. even though yep. it was five in the sounds morning sounds like House of Yes yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly um and I had I had um, I'd been kissing a guy on the dance floor at House of Yes, and up until this point, since we'd been married, I hadn't been with any men. And I'd been with a couple of guys in college, but it was more of that like experimentation mm -hmm. that a lot of people do. And this was more like, I really believe this is who I am. And then I came home to them and knocked at the door, and it was funny because it was first there was this kind of this awkward pause, <laughs> like nobody was sure what to do. <laughs> Was and like, then, uh... and and then her partner says, like in a very cutesy voice, he's like, "Come in," you know. And I and I came in, and we we were just talking for a little bit, and then he, and then he's like, "You need to get more comfortable," and he like pulls uh, pulls Jeannie over in the bed and like makes room, and I just get undressed and get in bed with them, and we had a great time. So it was. That you know, is didn't know awesome. what to expect, but it was... It's like one of those situations, this is either going to go good or it's going to go bad, and it, it went well. But we're going to yeah. learn something either way. That's, I yeah. feel like, an important thing with the, the whole experience is it's a learning experience to understand who you are, your sexual identity, um, and how you can kind of be a couple yeah. with this new sexual identity. I think yeah. what's very interesting about that experience is that it wasn't planned. It was very spur of the moment, which is why I think it worked so well for you guys, because there were no set expectations mm -hmm. on how that night was supposed to go mm -hmm. yeah and and th that is really true and that kind of goes back to the like ground rules thing we learned so quickly that it's very hard to set ground rules because there's so many variables and so many nuances especially when you start to add a third or a fourth person it just exponentially grows into something you never could have mm -hmm. expected what the vari variables would be so we definitely enc encountered a few things along the way in the beginning where we were like wait i thought we weren't going to do that and then we did that and it was like then but then we just talk about it and we learn from it and uh, uh Janie likes to refer to a lot of this as pleasure research mm -hmm. so e unless something goes horribly wrong even a bad experience is something we can learn from right yeah I think that um, one of the most interesting things on the blog is you have the resources for people, all those different links for them to, one, understand what you're doing, and two, for them to actually explore it themselves, figure out their sexual identity, and figure out who they are in this probably different realm. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite resources? Well, we are really big fans of Jaya and her mm -hmm. erotic blueprint. Uh, I think it's a really great, you know, if you're not sure what, you know, she, she talks about sort of five different what she calls blueprints in terms of your sexuality and the way that really it's the way that you speak. It's like a language. And mm -hmm. it's almost like if you speak French and your partner speaks Italian, you know, you're going to be missing each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know how to like translate that. But so if you're like one of the blueprints is sensual. So like a sensual person would really, you know, likes like a soft touch, like light music i mean mm -hmm. not specific kind of music but just you know mm -hmm. some music can be part of it um it's kind of that massage. more romantic-esque yeah version, it can be more romantic version. but it's also just yeah more like sensation that kind of thing mm -hmm. and you know for somebody else maybe it's more energetic maybe there's more of that like spiritual aspect about sex um you know where it's you know instead of that sensual touch it's like that hovering touch that you feel mm. that you know electric charge and it's not that one is better than the other. It's that you need to know which elements are what turn you on so that you can, when you're with either a long-term partner or a short-term partner, and say, you know, this is the way that I like to be turned on. Mm -hmm. How do you like to be turned on yeah. so that you can, again, be, be communicating in that same mm -hmm. language? There's almost this miscommunication now when people do that that it's like you're kind of controlling your sexual identity and some people feel like it's too much like I am before my boyfriend I would tell my partners here's what I like what do you like and they'd be like well why don't you let me figure it out it's like no I, I know what I like and and I do that with my boyfriend now I'm like this is what I like this is what I don't like 
Uh, and it's important to, to do that because you don't want to necessarily be in a situation um, while you're doing something you don't like. And, and you can't voice it either. Uh, and I think the blueprint is great. I've taken it. My boyfriend's taken it as well. And it is so much... Uh, enhance our sex life so much more. I need to take this blueprint. Like, <laughs> what's what's especially good about it is that it opens a dialogue regardless of your purpose for taking it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about an open relationship or straight or gay or bi. It ha- it's more about just, and and the questions are generic enough that any version of a person's sexuality is going to come out. And to your point, it's like you want to know what you like, and sometimes you don't, and that's okay too. But when you when you do identify those things, it's so much easier to get them because you can communicate with your partner better yeah. and communicate, like like was said, in, in their language. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, it's important to know your, your partner's needs, but it's important to know your own needs. It's taken me a long time to even figure out my own sexual needs before because I was always good at figuring someone else out. Mm-hmm. It's always easy to figure someone else out. It's hard to figure yourself out sexually. Yeah, I think for women that's especially true because we're not given as much permission to um, to self-pleasure, to just explore that side of ourselves. And mm-hmm. that's been another big piece of this whole open marriage is that it's really been like a sexual awakening for me mm-hmm. um, in, in a way that, you know, maybe I wish it happened a lot a lot sooner. But, um, you know, I've, I've done S-Factor for 13 plus years. I've studied with Regina Thomas-Shower wow. um, in the Mama Gina community. And so I'm, I joke that the this past year has been like a capstone for me mm-hmm. <laughs> really getting to where I want my sexuality to be and to understand myself um, in that way. Mm-hmm. So there's probably definitely things you're doing now that you would have never done before. Absolutely. And I like am convinced. All of it. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's like really not weird, but like I'm almost convinced like because I just can't explain, but like my body's so much more orgasmic now, and I, it's almost as if there was like a switch that's been in the off position for, you know, all this time that I just didn't know was there. I yeah, I would have turned it on a long time ago, but yeah, now so it's on. It, now it's on. Was there kind of a moment you think that that turned that switch on, or was it a succession of of events? I don't know. I feel like it was like. Maybe early this winter. Like, I, I can't tell you specifically on right. date X. Right. No, no, no. But, but yeah. more yeah. like, was there an experience you had that was like, wow, okay, this is what it's like. Like, this, it's like that light bulb. Yeah, almost. I don't know. I guess it's just more like, of course, I always enjoyed having sex with Victor throughout our entire marriage. But, like, we, I was very sexually shut down when we first got together. Not because of him. It was just, like, my own upbringing and, like, very, like thinking weird things about like what does it mean to be married and a wife and being sexual and that they kind of didn't go together at a a joke I watched too many episodes of Nick at Night and Donna Reed but (laughs) oh my god Nick at Night I don't know I don't know if that's really what happened but regardless um you know but it was like all of a sudden this winter where I was having penetrative sex and it was really orgasmic and Mm -hmm. and I and it even like with Victor like all of a sudden it was really orgasmic. So it wasn't like he had learned some new thing or there right. was a specific new partner. So like that's what I'm saying. Like I think for whatever reason, like my body just wasn't open to it. And I don't know if it's because I de-armored myself or whatever. But It was a self-awakening. Yeah. And, and I think that's a key part of it is that the uh, it, it's not necessarily about the physical act as much as it's about the connection, the energy, the communication. Mm-hmm. Because to your point, um, I don't think our penetrative sex was physically that different, but the reaction we were both having to it was very different. The way we were feeling was very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I, like, I, I like to say in answer to the question that it was the Valentine's date, but I know it was actually before that. Um, <laughs> only because, only because for, for Valentine's this year, we, we had a date where um, I... Uh, Jeannie's in a coven, and I've been interested in, in magic and the occult more. And, and so I prepared a love spell, and we did some tantric breathing, and, and Jeannie was orgasmic before we ever even touched genitals. It was all just breathing mm-hmm. and, and just pressure, um, like and you chest think, and body. Do you think the love spell attributed to that? I, I definitely believe so, because I think mm-hmm. it's that energy. I think it's that channeling of energy. And even and the funny part is like I'm also a big fan of like I don't care if something's a placebo effect or real as right. long as as long as it makes me feel good yeah. I'm happy with it so whether the spell worked and I'm air quoting here right. or just the focus that we put on love 
through the spell. Either way, it's, that, was, it's that focusing of energy. There was at least an energy shift yep. mm-hmm. and yeah, something that made it a really special experience and, and time together. Yep. That's really, really important. Yeah. Um, kind of going back on, on bringing people into the relationship, something that a question that we've always had is how do you actually bring, bring someone into it? Is it conversational? Is, is there like a way, a preferred way that you guys do it? I'm not sure I'm understanding the question. Well, so well, when, like, more, like, yeah. yeah, like when, when you go out on these dates, do you start right away and say, hey, I'm in an open marriage? How, how, do, oh, how do you okay. get people yeah, yeah, to come yeah. so, into? Um, the, the people that I've met um, since we've been open, I've either met them at uh, my friend does these amazing play parties that are like these just really wonderful introductions where you just can feel very comfortable if you're just dipping a toe and just want to explore mm-hmm. or you can, you know, get right in and, mm-hmm. and enjoy. So um, so it's a crowd that's predisposed to an open, you know, not everybody there is, is in a polyamorous relationship, but it's not so foreign as opposed to if you just met someone at a cocktail party <laughs> right, yeah. right. work or they're, something. They're open to being right. open. Exactly. There, there, um, there's, there's also like a, poly, a monthly poly cocktails event where people meet at a bar and it's just a, a, what, what we would refer to as a vanilla meetup. But all of the people, <laughs> but yeah. all of the people there are predisposed. So you have, that, you right. have that background too. Yeah. And there's a lot of events like that. Yeah. And then other people I've met on um, the field app and it's very clear on the field app that mm-hmm. I'm married and mm-hmm. yeah so that's I mean, awesome yeah but I'm always up you know if I meet someone like at the party you know I'm always up front I'm married we have an open relationship mm-hmm. and that might be you know for some people that's not of interest and I totally respect that mm-hmm. but I'm you know not I'm not trying to hide anything or mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome. I'll, I'll comment on the the field app F E E L D for those not familiar. It, it launched originally as Thrinder. The, 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 the Tinder for threesomes, <laughs> and they got sued by Tinder and Naturally. changed their name, but which of course actually was good for them, I imagine. Um, Any and they, press is good press. Yeah, and there's something like 16 different gender identifications and like wow. 20 different sexual identities. So it's wow. very, very. You, it's much more in tune with the the environment of of the poly community. Um, at the same time, I will say um, I hate the apps, and I think men on the apps, regardless of your your uh, your sexual identity mm-hmm. uh, have a lot of trouble because people are more de- the women are more defensive to men and even the gay men toward each mm-hmm. other. Um, women on the apps have a different problem. They're going to have more attention, but they're also going to get, as I've heard from your previous podcast, the random dick pics. Exactly. Um, so, but but I will say, <laughs> but I will say that Genie's had a lot of success as long as as long as you have the 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 constitution to put up with a few really shitty things and disconnect from them and move on mm-hmm. um, has had very good success. I've had less success in the app. And for me, it's more I'd rather meet people in person at this point. Mm-hmm. That's an important way to do it, I think. Sometimes my biggest issue with the apps, just in general, there is a facade. Yep. And then there's that misconception of who that person is because you can kind of hide behind the glass. And I've, I've heard the stories people have great success or or they don't at all. And there's not like a middle ground um, for it, but it is important to one be honest and and open, and I feel like there's also a, a misconception with polyamorous people in general, whether they're just in a relation with someone or married, that you have to kind of like hide behind it. Before um, before the days of my boyfriend, as I call it, I remember being on the apps and someone approached me about it. They were like, "Oh, we're in a very open relationship. We want to bring you in." Um, but you can't ever uh, meet my other partner. And I was like, okay, is that like one of your rules? And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Turns out they weren't actually in an open relationship. He was just cheating on his girlfriend. And it's kind of one of those things where it it makes me like almost hesitant sometimes because I know there's some shitty people out there that do that, and that's not right. And I feel like that's where a lot of times the negative – misconceptions kind of come from are the bad apples of the bunch almost. Yeah. So we're, we're a little bit unique in the community that we play together and we play separately, mm-hmm. which also makes it a little harder for us sometimes because we'll meet people and we're not sure, like, do we want to play as a threesome or a twosome or it's a couple and a foursome? Mm-hmm. And it, that, so again, the like mental math gets a little uh, tiresome, if you will, but, but, it's sure. also, but it's also part of the fun. But um, one of the things that I, we haven't done this, but we probably should. One of the things I've, I've heard, because it, it is a thing for some couples that like for us, it's um, we, we there, there's a word called compersion. 
and it's a unique word in the community. It's basically the opposite of jealousy that we mm -hmm. get. We get. Uh, we get excited by our partner's pleasure. Mm -hmm. I like hearing Jeannie's stories about what she did the night before and things like that. Um, so we're very open in discussion. But there are also polyamorous couples that don't share. They have the they have the sure go out and do what you like. But I don't want to hear about it. And what I've heard from um, Dan Savage says what those mm -hmm. couples should do is do like a 30 second recording together, a video recording that says that they're in this open relationship. So you could show that to somebody that's that identifies that they're not cheating. Right. And I, I think that's important, too, because I totally get the respect of, of wanting to keep it separate and, and keep your journey separate. But I don't like when people go out and, and just actively lie about it and yeah. make it seem like it's they're hiding something and they're not uh, they're not at, like actually open and exploring and, and really curious about who, who their selves are. Sure. And I think, you know, there's going like you said, there's always going to be bad apples. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, one of the men that I am dating um, he's married, he's in a sexless marriage, and they basically, like, he had had an affair um, with, and I guess he came clean to her, and so now he sort of, have, they have this, like, don't ask, don't tell. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm trusting that he's telling me the truth, and yeah. it's not like I went out and pursued somebody who was married, I would never do not. that, um, but, you know, I just have to trust that. Yeah that the person's being honest with me. Trust is key in any sort of relationship. Absolutely. It doesn't matter if it's open, closed, monogamous, whatever it may be. Trust is kind of the answer to everything. Yeah, and, I, and I, I personally would say that if you're having a discussion with a partner and you guys are not comfortable with the discussion, you're probably not comfortable with engaging in an open marriage exactly. or an open relationship. So exactly. yeah, the communication to your point, the trust is so important. Mm -hmm. We were kind of talking about um, obviously bringing you guys on the show and we do have some questions from people uh, who, who are just really curious sure. and, and want to understand better. Um, so the first question that we have are, um, are the relationships you have primarily sexual, emotional, or, or kind of a strong combination of the two? For the most part, they've been sexual. I would like to see some of the relationships develop more emotionally. I think I was having a conversation with one of the men that I'm dating, and he sent me this article about uh, keeping relationships casual or, you know, is there the, the threat or the fear of attachment. Um, I'm not afraid of attachment at all. I think as long as your primary relationship remains primary, I think we have the capacity to care about others. Mm -hmm. um, so to you know, have emotional attachment to somebody who's not my primary partner, I don't think is a bad thing. Um, you know, I think sometimes it can feel a little bit transactional if, like, every time you're getting together with someone, it's just a sex date. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, still, given that it's relatively new in the concept of, you know, a year versus 22 years, you right. know, I'm still kind of trying to feel feel that out and, mm -hmm. and figure out how you how you manage that the, yeah. the, the word transactional is one we end up using a lot because <laughs> like for example we've um we've been with one couple where we where we like swingers and we swapped with them and we've been with them a couple of times and we've enjoyed being with them mm -hmm. but the swinger community for us feels too transactional mm -hmm. like we we went to an event for example where you meet up and it felt very like a three or five minute almost like a speed date interview at a bar yeah. and then the like oh, well, these six people are going to this hotel if you want to join us kind of thing. And it was like, no, that doesn't really feel it for me. Like, I, we want there to be a bit of a connection. We want to know the person. We love. I want to I want to be with somebody sexually I could also, like, go have beer and pizza with. Yeah. Yeah. I found, I, I found your one blog post very interesting. It was by you, Jeannie. It was the talk of the numbers. Mm -hmm. And I found that so interesting because Such a good one. as a woman – that that is like a little bit of like a inner issue that I have. It's like, yes, I want to explore myself sexually, but then that means the number goes up. And then it's like, well, what does that what does that make me? And I really liked how you closed it where you're just looking for a connection with somebody. You want mm -hmm. to see what these different connections are. Like how do the different energies from all these different people yeah. help create you and in, in your sexual identity and just your personality and, and character. Uh, my thing with the whole number idea is who gives a shit? That that's oh, my yeah, no, mentality. Gives, yeah, I yeah. Agree, nobody gives a shit except I was giving a shit about well, exactly. myself and shaming yeah. myself. <clears throat> exactly. Um, but yeah, and I think I'm also because of 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 that exploration, more aware that I don't want to have one night stands or one day stands. Or whatever. Right. Right. Um, so being more explicit with potential partners, you know, on that first. Meet up because it does seem that at least like through the app and everything that like there's a first date that's just a date mm -hmm. and then the second date 
usually ends up to be a sex date, mm-hmm. which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I, I think I need to be just more upfront and clearer with the person what uh, he or she is looking for mm-hmm. in terms of, because I prefer more of a long-term ongoing relationship. Yeah. And so, you know, it's hard to know exactly. I'm not going to make the person say, like, I, I promise I will <laughs> a minimum number of times. Right. But, you know, again just because I don't want to get into that situation. But I am being more explicit with myself about not not keeping tabs and not counting awesome. so that I'm not like, oh, wait, that means you're a, you know, a bad person because you're having yeah. sex with a lot of people. And I, and I think, Sabrina, you make a really good point when you say that, like, you're trying to figure out these energies. Well, if you're going to be trying to figure something out, you're going to have trial and error. Therefore, mm-hmm. you're going to have numbers. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's just the logic side of it. Um, and, and I like what Jeannie, what you're saying about like, just you got to forget about the numbers part of it and mm-hmm. understand like what's the process, what's the outcome. There's also like, I've definitely talked to a lot of people when they enter this, this, this type of relationship or this type or the community that go through and Jeannie hates this, this word, but go, they go through a slut phase because it's like you have a new toy <laughs> yeah. and you want to play with your new toy. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what yeah. it is. And I mean, both literally and figuratively. Those um, labels <laughs> suck of like, oh, you're a whore, you're a slut for sleeping but, with so many people. But, and it's, we're yeah. like our own worst critics when we use those words. Yeah. Too. But at the right. same time, like, like Jeannie studied in a community where it's all about taking back these words. Like mm-hmm. Mama Gina preaches this idea of women taking back the word pussy and not letting it be mm-hmm. a word that men use as derogatory yep. and it's really working and I, I feel very similarly about that as slut if you're somebody who likes to have a lot of sex why is that a problem male, yeah. female or otherwise like, like why whatever. is that a bad thing yeah. why, well, is well, it why a bad does it thing? need a label then Let's that's like fine. A, I, I agree like, that, yeah. word, I, that word for me is very loaded and I do feel mm-hmm. like yeah. there is that double standard that it's okay that men can have multiple partners or like and have a, a long list because mm-hmm. that's, that shows how virile they are. That's a you know, positive thing. And that, yeah, women are supposed to mm-hmm. be more pure, more Donna Reed-esque and yeah. all that. So, you know, I think that's the other reason why those that were slut and whore mm-hmm. are so loaded for me. So Yeah, yeah. No, that, no, that's fair. And it, and it goes back to, like, um, so, so Jeannie knows a, a, a woman, Kasha Urbanik, who runs something called the Academy. And Kasha is a former, somewhat, somewhat current dominatrix, um, very successful one. And she's taken what she learned as being a dom to now teach women how to take back power from the patriarchy. And love that. I've, I've been I love that. A, yeah, and I've been a male volunteer in her sessions, and it's incredible to see what she's doing because it's not – a lot of men would feel so threatened by this, mm-hmm. but it, that's not it at all. It's not about taking back from individual men. It's about changing this dynamic that's built up over hundreds of years that doesn't make sense – that yep. the patriarch rules and it just it just shouldn't and mm-hmm. these women are taking it back and it's really powerful and that's why I feel like sometimes these words have to be taken back and mm-hmm. have to be shared but I definitely understand the trigger of all that is weighted in those words too we're changing the conversation right we're changing the dialogue yeah. we're changing the phrases that people use I mean I had a, a ton of issues with my sexual identity because I was always labeled as a slut for for wanting to figure things out and experience different people and and different sexual identities and stuff like that. And for a very long time, I was very unhappy with like my quote unquote number, so to speak. And that's why I loved the the post so much because it was the kind of a similar journey of what I had of uh, feeling like I needed to be down on myself for having a certain number. And then it was kind of the shift in my head of. Why do I care if someone else is going to call me that? If mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day that I am enjoying what I'm doing and I'm doing it for me and I'm not trying to, to listen to all these other people and, and try and tune them out, I'm not even going to count because no. it's sure. not what matters. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's something that's been really helpful for me with the blog is obviously there's the biographical, autobiographical accounts of, you know, did this, went here, met that person. But it's also, you know, taking these experiences and really reflecting on them and thinking about, yeah, how do I feel that there's a number? How do I feel about, you know, what's going on in my body? And so it's just been so, so helpful for me to really take that time to reflect and really analyze what these experiences are are doing to me for me. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, Jeannie's post she tends to be very reflect, reflect, reflective in these posts and take some time to really think them through. So we've shared the story. I've heard it. And then a week later, this post goes up and I read it. And there's always something that we didn't discuss or comes out deeper. And like there's times where I'll read these posts and I'll like cry because there's so much more yeah. there 
that 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 came out through the process and it's so powerful and I I'm really happy we have that as part of this because I don't think we'd get to that detail if we mm-hmm. didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been finding the posts actually kind of inspiring. So for me, I've been on this journey of trying to figure out myself sexually. So where I'm from, it wasn't really my parents. My parents are actually really openly sexual people. Your parents are great. So like I don't I don't understand what happened with me. I think it was just the area that I was in, mm-hmm. you know, in high school and stuff like that. Girls who had sex outside of a relationship or sex super young, they were labeled as sluts and stuff like that. And that was just like a big fear of mine. So I needed to just have sex with the person I was in a relationship with and like girls weren't supposed to be super sexual. And I moved to New York and things just started shifting for me and I'm like I want to figure myself out. And I want to be more open to sex and not have these, I don't know, voices in my head telling me that I'm wrong for discovering myself. So I'm finding your post very, very interesting. And I'm excited to read more of them after this. Um, But yeah, thank you for just being a voice for people like me. Thank you. You definitely connect to so many. And and so do you, Victor. Your posts just all over the place are absolutely inspiring and, and incredible. So to some of our listeners out there who will definitely be looking at this blog and our friends who we've talked to this about, is there a specific post that each of you have done that you would say should be kind of one people should go to first? Like if you were to think of when we get asked the, this question all the time with the podcast of like, oh, what episode should I listen to? Do you have one when someone goes, oh, what blog post should I read? So I, I always, we, we did, I think in addition to the resources, we did like an about or whatever and we, and we did linked to a couple of oh, points nice. about um, the the how we got here because I think that's the most important thing for anybody who's wandering into it. You know, it's chronological to us, but to somebody reading it, it's th- that has nothing to do with it. It's right. just it's just how we've encountered things. Um, my favorite is the one where I walked in on Jeannie and our our friend in bed together and then joined Such them. Such a great post, but but that one's also like that one's also like more on the explicit side and more about like the experience and the sex. Whereas more of, I think more of the importance of the blog is like the places where we're vulnerable about emotion and communication. Cause that's what people need to figure out. Like the sex, if you go into this with an open mind, the sex you'll find, you'll figure out, you'll figure right. out what you like, but the emotion is the harder part to deal with. And I also think that's where mm-hmm. Jeannie supplies a lot more than, than I do. For no, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I just would say that, you know what 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 works for us and what we're writing about we want to share that because we feel like a lot of people don't necessarily understand what it looks like to have an open marriage but i wouldn't say that this is a blueprint for an open marriage this is what works for us mm-hmm. and that hopefully people can glean what might work for them but i would but we don't want to be that we don't ever want people to think we're being prescriptive in that right. way um this is your experience this our experience is your narrative. this is what works for us and Hopefully by reading it, they can say, oh, I can see why that works for them. That wouldn't work for us or that could work for us or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, you know, is there like a post or two? Um, I'm not sure if there's like a particular post that I would say like is a must read per se. But I, at the same time, I would say that um, I think it's called uh, Ne Regret Rien. I Regret Nothing. Um, that was that. a pretty um, powerful moment for me about being in a, at a play party and just completely like having a plan going into it that was completely changed and actually like went against some of the things that we had talked about but then we worked it out and just getting to this place where I really have no regrets for that night even though it was completely different than I had anticipated you know at eight o'clock in the, at night mm-hmm. versus you know 8 a.m the next day that, right? that actually that that is a good one because um, that's a good example back to the beginning of like the ground rules where there was still a rule uh, among a small set of rules at this point that was violated that night. But as we unpacked it, we realized it shouldn't have been a rule. Mm-hmm. And and it took it was hard for me in the moment because I was like, it wasn't about what happened. It was you broke a rule. But as we talked it all through, it was like it very quickly turned back to wait a minute. The rule's not important. What really happened here? Right. And then it was like, wow, that was actually a really powerful thing. So we shouldn't regret it. Yeah, exactly. It's What sucks about regrets, so to speak, are, are kind of when we're our own worst critic and we're judging ourselves for what we did based on a definition from somebody else or a label from somebody else. We talked about this in our last episode that we hate being put in a box, mm-hmm. right? And we mm-hmm. hate how people kind of want to define things by putting them in this little box and then they get put aside, kind of almost. 
Um, are are there any uh, things out there that you've heard about um, poly relationships that you kind of hate, so to speak, like the definitions people have had of it? Are there any misconceptions out there that um, people should not be falling towards or, or thinking of? I mean, I think we, because of what works for us, don't believe in the don't ask, don't tell style mm-hmm. but again there's definitely people that where that does work for them and it does make sense and right so it's hard to say there would be anything like that um and there's less fault of labels in a community like this because the truth is there's still so many different labels because yeah. we, it's not that big a community mm-hmm. so it's not like labels that are so big generally around sex have become mm-hmm. so accepted um and in fact i it's more the non-poly labels that become more of an issue in my opinion so like, for example, um, we know each other through dance community mm-hmm. and there's a there's a we're pretty tight knit and like not a lot of people in the community necessarily know that they know I'm married. They don't necessarily know I'm in an open relationship. Right. Well, what if I'm at a show and I start kissing somebody or mm-hmm. something like that? Like, then what do I have to tell people? So right. there's always like that. That's the harder thing to me about labels is that you have to. You want people to be comfortable, but you also don't want to push mm-hmm. upon them your label mm-hmm. just to just to feel, make myself feel more comfortable. Right, exactly. That's so important, too, because I, I think there's a lot of issues that people have out there in general with sexual identities that they have to fit into heterosexual or homosexual or bisexual, and they can't really be who they want to be of, of just themselves. Right, and I think the other thing, too, is it's, it's not so much that one label's better or worse or, or not a good label, but like, you know, open marriage is like a really just very broad term. And for some people that could be that there's use the word the swingers and my, and I'm, my understanding, and this is probably not a textbook definition of swingers, <laughs> but that they tend to be much more where, yeah, it's, it's really just swapping partners, you know, for a given time, like at a party or whatever, as opposed to where I think the polyamorous term which is a broader term you know could mean lots of different things so it could be that you have you know friends with benefits it could be you know there are couples I don't know any of them but I'm like you know aware that people have this where like they have a primary partner and then they have another partner that actually lives in with them Mm -hmm. um, that they have an equally strong bond uh, with Mm -hmm. Um, I think you know then that becomes even more complex right that's a different conversation but but you know that's just as valid as you know any of these other things. It just a, it's a, just a term is just very broad, and I think it's just getting clear for yourself and your partner what what you're looking for and which things are attractive to you in terms of you know do you just want to have this one other person that becomes a part of your family or do you want to mm. have multiple partners? Do you want those partners to have an emotional attachment? Do you want to have a, a mix? So like maybe you really care about this person, but then like occasionally you just like meet someone at a play party whatever and again there's no right answer there's no wrong answer it's just whatever works for you and your partner and and i think by textbook polyamorous is more the like triad relationship where there's like an equal bond between three people as opposed to two and and like that's a little narrow when you think of like there's not that many of those so Mm -hmm. it's it it tends to be used more broadly. We tend to use it in the broader sense. I, th- I think, again, referencing Dan Savage, like he talks about monogamish, <laughs> which is like kind of a great term. Um, and ethical non-monogamy is a right. very commonly used one, but it's such a mouthful that I kind of like monogamish. It's easier. Monogamish <laughs> is like, eh. It's eh. like, this is just a little-ish. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. No, but I, I love that there's not, you guys haven't really said like, oh, this is the definition type of thing in that I think a lot of people forget um, that it's kind of whatever you want it to be and, and you figure it out as you go and that's a whole part of the journey. Um, something interesting I've been kind of reading about in terms of sexual identities is that people always like to have that definition of, oh, this means this, this means that, things make sense in my head, kind of going back on labels and, and putting things in boxes and, and something I've struggled with. Um, is is trying to live, forgo all of that mm-hmm. and really drop those and try and figure out my sexual being and my sexual identity, whether that is with my partner or or by myself, um, and really understand who I am again. And it's almost like taking back, I say, my womanhood mm-hmm. uh, and really taking back my feminine side, a side that I've completely put away uh, for years because society told us to do so. 
uh, and something I've, I've learned with the wholeness dry thing. I'm super into it. If you don't know if now, you know, cause I'm very, very into it and I've been reading and I get all her emails now Excellent. and it's helped so much in just the journey of myself of not being afraid to wear, um, crop tops all of a sudden. That was like a huge fear of mine because I identified crop tops as unfortunately the word slutty or, or in a way that was not so great and I was trying to be very sexual and I'm like nah just like a crop top and, you know it's like kind of redefining things mm-hmm. or taking away that that definition almost Absolutely. are there different things that you've kind of a lot of times society kind of puts labels and definitions on things are there are there now things since you've been in this experience together that you look at in a different light almost everything <laughs> <laughs> um uh, in both a great way and a terrible way, like the world is more sexual to me now. Like I look at people differently. We were mm-hmm. we were in a monogamous relation marriage for, you know, 20, 20 ish years, where I really didn't look at anybody as a sexual being outside of my wife, and mm-hmm. now I'm looking at everybody as a possible <laughs> sexual being. So there's like some balance in between there, obviously that has to be struck. Um, but that's definitely been been enlightening to me, like just to look around and be like. Huh, I wonder what and, and I wonder who and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also like within the kink community and there's so many different styles and types of kink, um, I know like from being on the app and you know, people put down what their interests are and what their you know, doesn't have to be kinks, but in a lot of cases right. it is. And there's this concept of um, daddy dom little girl and that like mm-hmm. kinda creeped mm-hmm. me out. Um, That's a I've, big thing in porn too. Um, but most I've, kinks are. <laughs> but I've, I've since done some reading and like better understand that that's not it's not a pedophile oriented kink. It's it's actually it's just a different kind of dynamic that that person has mm-hmm. with their partner, and so it's a, you know I've had to step back and re frame what that means right. so that I understand that that's not that this person is not looking for an actual little girl. Yeah. It's, um, so it's, I think, yeah. So I think it's things like that where you can, like, your brain will automatically go one place, but if you actually take the time and energy to really research and better understand, then, you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to accept it as your own kink, but at least you don't have negative um, preconceptions about other people's kinks. Yeah, it's taking the judgment aspect away. Mm-hmm. It's being more mindful and putting mm-hmm. yourself in the shoes of that other person of, like, oh, that's what they like, great. I respect that. That may not be for me, but I'm mindful of what that person likes. It's an odd concept of being mindful with sexual kinks um, and experiences with people. It's something I'm even kind of checking myself with because sometimes we kind of get in our own head of this is what I like and this is what's quote unquote normal and everyone else should like this. And, And if they don't, then that's weird type of thing. And it's kind of remembering that nothing is a weird thing. It's just something for someone else. And that's something me and my partner are still figuring out is, okay, if this works for you, great. Let's try it and see if we both enjoy it. And and if we don't, then maybe it's not for us. And if it's for you, great. But it may not just be for our relationship type of thing. Right. Yeah, and I think the more that you can be open because there's things like that you might think – are distasteful in your head but then if you actually explore like maybe flogging or spanking maybe you're like oh that really why would I want to be spanked why would I want to have any kind of impact or pain play but then if you actually like you know find a safe environment in which to practice that you might be like hey wait a minute now I kind of get what it's all about <laughs> exactly and, and maybe not but as long as you're in a safe place where you can explore that yeah. you're like Ah, I tried it. Just like you, you know, you go to a restaurant. And you're like, yeah, that wasn't the best restaurant for me. We'll never go back there. But, but at least you tried right. it. You didn't go to the same restaurant twenty five thousand times in a row, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, has there been any kink that before you guys opened up your marriage, you were like, Ugh, no, and now you're <laughs> like really into it? Has yeah, yeah, several. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so impact is definitely one. Like, I definitely went into impact play with the idea of like why. I don't understand this pain pleasure thing really. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of understand the pain pleasure thing, but I don't understand the act of spanking or flogging or anything like that. Like it feels like it's violent. Right. Um, but it really, it isn't necessarily, it can be. And some people want it that way. Some people like to literally be beaten, but, and, and, and again, if it's in a safe space, great, not my thing, not our thing, mm-hmm. but like, but impact in itself definitely does have, have desire. Um, we've gotten very much into rope play. Um, I've studied shibari, Japanese rope tying, and 
that's been a ton of fun and, and it's both sexual and it's also artistic which is interesting. I'm not at that level yet, but I want to get there where you can like put people yeah. in positions that are just in and of themselves super beautiful and and be able to do that as an art as you part of You know who just did an exhibit on that? The Museum of Sex. Uh, it was a couple months ago there was this uh, photo series done by this Japanese photographer and um, they were doing this. I didn't even know what it was before then mm-hmm. and I have been so intrigued by it because it were these people just in these really odd positions tied up with ropes and in a way and they would have these little descriptions next to it and he would talk to the people as it would hap- as it was happening as like it were an interview and those would be the captions for his photo and there was one this woman I won't forget it because I thought it was really powerful she was upside down tied by her feet and in, uh, the rope was tied in this really intricate beautiful knot that almost looked like flowers and what she would tell her partner is that she always wanted the ropes to look like vines because one of the most beautiful forms she ever saw were vines of roses hanging on a house and she always wanted to be that and she couldn't figure out how to do it but this was a way she felt like she could express herself sexually uh, and and beautifully and she would wear kind of these um, this red cloth around her to kind of mimic that that she was a rope and she loved that her partner would do this for her and she would do different things for him too but it was this moment where she was like this is what I enjoy because it makes me feel beautiful yeah. and I think nice. people kind of forget yeah. about that oh that's so powerful yeah. that yeah. is so powerful in like the weirdest place the Museum of Sex really going for some powerful stuff <laughs> but it was it was a great photo series th- th- this right. is a great this is a great example to bring a couple of things together of like the, the self care and the kink community it, it, it's something really unique like People think about kink and they think about these like weird and wild things, and that's true. But it's also the kink community is so incredibly welcoming and inclusive, and it's all about the individual first. Mm-hmm. So it, you really can't engage in kink properly. And if you go to any community event or go to learn it from anybody without first taking care of yourself, first knowing what you want out of it as you go in, and then most kink afterwards there's the whole idea of aftercare and mm-hmm. and downloading with your partner like how do you feel now did you like it and because of all those check-ins it's just really really powerful that, to make sure that the individuals are getting what they need throughout the experience yeah i feel like people forget about that sometimes and and sometimes forget to think about themselves in the moment mm-hmm. one of the things that i hate about sexual identities is when you're trying to please only for the other person and you forget to please yourself and you forget to do, <laughs> to do stuff for yourself because I am a people pleaser naturally just when I'm talking to people at work I always want to make people happy and I do that in my in my sex life too is that I always want to please the other person and make sure that they got what they were looking for and that they're taken care of and I forget to do that for myself and it's a journey that I'm trying to to work through and, and learn through. And um, I go, it's bad to say I go to the Museum of Sex a lot because they have a lot of different exhibits that really talk about this idea of remembering to, to think about yourself in the mm-hmm. entire experience. Yeah, no, I think, and again, you know, not to belabor the point about women not being as encouraged to explore, but, you know, like one of the books um, that I read this past year um, is, you know, basically um, Anatomy of Women's Arousal um, by Sherry Winston, because we're not really given a complete picture of our anatomy, particularly the clitoris and, and, and you know, how it has, you know, these legs that go through mm-hmm. the, you know, vaginal canal, you know, pussy and, and all that, and I'm misspeaking, so look at her <laughs> book, not what I'm saying, but, <laughs> but the, the point is, <laughs> yeah, but the point is, like, the more you understand your anatomy, the more you can understand you know, which aspects, you know, please you. And then you can, I think it's, I think the hard part is when, when you are with a partner, if you don't understand your body, then it's it's not even so much that you're like being such a, so pleasing to the other person in, ex, at your own expense, but you're mm-hmm. not sure what to tell the person. Like, oh, like touch me this way or, or I, I prefer if you touch me over here mm-hmm. instead of over there. Because you if you understand like, oh, that's what's, you know, the pleasurable part for my, my body then you can be more explicit and and be more aware for yourself and share that and I think you know most people are going to be open to that and be like oh yeah I want I want you to be as equally aroused and Mm -hmm. orgasmic as as you're you know doing for me yeah but yeah 
Yeah, that's awesome. And that's where kind of masturbation comes into play sometimes too, is people put this negative connotation with it that it's dirty and not for them. And it's kind of only for men and women need to be more comfortable with it as well. And it's not necessarily about just getting off. It's about, let me find the different things. So that way maybe this will help my next sexual experience and, and enhance it a little bit. And take it into a way that it hasn't been before. If, mm. if, if anything, it's more important for women because the exploration of your anatomy is more complicated. Mm. And there are so many different ways a woman can achieve a physical orgasm compared mm. to a man. And that's not a, ba- not a bad thing, but it makes it more complicated. So yeah. learning that for yourself it will help you tell your partner what to do better for you. Mm-hmm. Women are complicated beings. Yeah. We're, <laughs> true. We're so very true. complicated yeah, sexually. that way also you're like taking more responsibility for yourself because you know we can't expect a partner to to be the end-all be-all of of our pleasure and then we have to be responsible for finding our own pleasure Mm -hmm. and then of course enjoying that with someone is great but yeah if we Mm -hmm. don't take the time to do it on our own we can't expect someone else to know you know and in that vein too it's like your personal identity is important Um, you mentioned feminine energy earlier and and like getting more in touch with your feminine i was always more in touch with my feminine sexually especially with Jeannie, I always thought it should be this gentle, loving thing and Mm -hmm. very, very feminine. And the truth is that when we talked about this more openly and I got more in touch with my masculine sexually, the physical sex was much better for both Mm -hmm. of us. And it was like I was thinking about both of us as opposed to how do I please her? Mm-hmm. So it, it, you really do have to think about how do you please yourself too. That's definitely part of the equation. So yeah, mm-hmm. and I think you definitely need that yin yang energy. It doesn't have to be like heteronormative of who has the masculine and who has right. the feminine. But I think it's that that polar opposite that does you know sexually does help. Yep. Yeah, it's once you break down those gender barriers and those gender definitions, it can really enhance and really change a relationship inside and out. Uh, unfortunately, we're at time, uh, but I think that's a great way to end off. This has been a phenomenal episode. And I've just I've learned so much. <laughs> Irina's sexually opening up again. It's opening. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, guys, Excellent. we will have this blog linked in our bio. You can check it out at any time. Jeannie and Victor, thank you so much. Seriously, for thank you. This was amazing. Show. Thanks for having. Oh, me. This pleasure. was a phenomenal one year anniversary episode to have you guys. Thank you so so much again. Perfect. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, once again, guys, my name is Alyssa. I'm Sabrina, and thanks for keeping it together with us this week and we'll see you back next week for episode 53.